Throughout the Gospel of Matthew, you can find Jesus saying two simple words that would turn the world upside down. Follow me. But what does it mean to truly follow Jesus where he leads? Dive deep into Matthew's Gospel through our latest book release, Dr. Jim Dennison's cultural commentary on the Gospel of Matthew. Ask for your copy of Matthew, A Guide to Genuine Discipleship today at thedailyarticle.org. That's thedailyarticle.org. Welcome to the Daily Article Podcast. Today is Tuesday, January the 16th, 2024. I'm Chris Elkins with the Denison Forum, narrating today's article written by Dr. Jim Denison. Donald Trump won the Iowa caucuses last night with Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley coming in second and third. Vivek Ramaswamy dropped out of the race and endorsed Mr. Trump. However, it's too soon to know what this means for the larger presidential campaign. Iowa Republicans selected Mike Huckabee in 2008, Rick Santorum in 2012, and Ted Cruz in 2016, none of whom went on to win the presidential nomination. By contrast, Ronald Reagan lost Iowa in 1980, but won the election. George H.W. Bush did the same in 1988 and Donald Trump in 2016. The larger state of U.S. politics is in question as well. According to Pew Research Center... Just 4% of Americans say the political system is working extremely well or very well. Just 16% say they trust the federal government always or most of the time. 65% say they always or often feel exhausted when thinking about politics. Just 10% say that they always or often feel hopeful. While Iowans were braving the cold, the 75th Annual Emmy Awards aired last night as Succession and The Bear each took home six awards. At least, we think they did. Since we now know that ESPN employed a fraudulent scheme in recent years to acquire more than 30 Emmys for sportscasters who were ineligible to receive them, we're left to wonder, how fully do you trust our political system, institutions, and leaders? How much do you trust what you see reported by the media? I often say that God redeems all he allows, but how could he redeem our crisis in cultural confidence? Commentator Jonah Goldberg described our post-truth society, quote, Certainty is impossible folly. Knowledge isn't about facts, but perspective. What we think are truths, or truths with a capital T, are really plot points in stories we tell to ourselves. Ideals are really just instruments for attaining or maintaining power. Morality is made, not discovered. All truth is contextual. All ideals are instruments. The only thing that is real, i.e. real enough, is what you accomplish with will, end quote. Parenthetically, Goldberg disagrees with what he describes, but I consider his cultural depiction to be tragically accurate. It is an absolute and ironically contradictory truth claim of our postmodern society that all truth claims are subjective. Goldberg refutes this claim well. Quote, slavery is bad. Rape is bad. Cruelty for its own sake is evil. Liberty and the rule of law are good. Now, I believe these are similar things as matters of both capital T and lowercase t, truth. But even if these are only lowercase truths or even personal truths, they can be defended with reason, facts, data, 
and appeals to rightly formed consciences. In other words, even if all standards and ideals are in some sense socially constructed, that doesn't mean that all societal constructions are morally or empirically equal. The Taj Mahal is constructed and so is a balsa wood outhouse. We can value one more than the other. The right to a fair trial is a social construct and so is child sacrifice. I'm happy to privilege the former over the latter. End quote. Here's the problem. However persuasive you and I find his reasoning, many for whom it is intended will not. Many secular people want truth to be personal so they can have their personal truth. They want morality to be subjective so they can do whatever they want to do. How then can we help people experience the one who is truth? Dan Marburger, the high school principal in Perry, Iowa, died Sunday. He was critically injured earlier this month when he put himself in harm's way to protect his students from a shooter. In much better news, a Vermont state trooper named Michelle Archer recently plunged into a frigid pond, swam to an 8-year-old girl who had fallen through the ice, then swam back to shore with her. The girl has since made a complete recovery. No student whose life was saved by their principal will ever doubt his love for them. Nor will the girl saved by Michelle Archer wonder if the state trooper is committed to her calling. Similarly, a powerful way we can persuade skeptics to turn to Christ as their truth is when they see the difference he makes when we make him our truth. When we experience his incarnational love, the fact that he came to us when we could not come to him, the grace with which he pursues us, and the mercy with which he forgives and cares for us, we become the change we want our world to encounter. Experiencing God's grace should change our lives in ways that demonstrate the transformation of our hearts. We do not earn grace, but we do exhibit its results. God's Word assures us through Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. At the same time, we're told in verse 10, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Tim Keller expressed it this way, Religion says, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. The gospel says, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. How can we persuade a post-truth culture that Jesus is the truth we all need most? By experiencing his grace and then responding with grateful service to our Lord and our neighbor. God teaches in 1 John 4 verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Because translates a Greek word meaning since or as a result. Here we discover a simple fact that changes our lives and our culture. The more we experience the love of Jesus, the more our love for others will lead them to our Lord. So, here's the question. When last did the love of Christ change your life? When last did you encounter the living Lord Jesus in a transforming way? If it's been a while, know that the fault is not his. Henry Nouwen observed, quote, For most of my life, I have struggled to find God, to know God, to love God. I have tried hard to follow the guidelines of the spiritual life, pray always, work for others, 
read the scriptures, and to avoid the many temptations to dissipate myself. I have failed many times, but always tried again, even when I felt close to despair. Now I wonder whether I have sufficiently realized that during all this time, God has been trying to find me, to know me, and to love me. The question is not, how am I to find God, but how am I to let myself be found by Him? The question is not, how am I to know God, but how am I to let myself be known by God? And finally, the question is not, how am I to love God, but how am I to let myself be loved by God? God is looking into the distance for me, trying to find me, and longing to bring me home. End quote. Will you let him find you today? Thank you for listening to today's Daily Article podcast. If you would also like to read the Daily Article with its citations and references linked to their sources, find links in the episode notes to read today's article and to subscribe to the Daily Article email newsletter.